When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rom Alley. I am J.B. Mosier. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. Okay, so the song we're covering today was released in 1997, just a year after Rob and I were indeed freshmen mm, yeah. in high school. So fast forward three years later to the summer of 2000, and why is this year important? Well, I'll tell you, because that's the summer that Rob and I met. And why is that important? Rob and I were indeed freshmen we were. in college. That's right. We were freshmen, so I can think of no better song, or at least the timing, the phrasing-wise, or the week, whatever. Wow. Play a little bit of The Freshman by The Verb Pop. <laughs> Rob, play a little bit of this one. <sighs> My heart is broken instantly. <laughs> This is almost this is almost weirdly for us could could be a makeup song after a rivalry. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, it's true. Man, what were we doing? We were just freshmen, you know. <laughs> what were we doing? When I was young, I knew everything. She a punk who rarely ever took advice. Now I'm guilt stricken, sobbing with my head on the floor. Stop them, baby. The amount of lyrics that I had wrong on this song <laughs> is embarrassing. You got head on the floor, right? Right. I got head on the floor. She was touching her face. I won't be held responsible. She fell in love in the first place. For the love of me, I cannot remember. Made us think that we were wise and we never compromised. For the life of me, I cannot believe we'd ever die for these sins. We were merely freshmen. Listen to that kick drum. Dude, I was about to say, listen how that how cheap that snare sounds, but it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And the, the kick drum sounds like it's like it's uh, uh, 30 inches, like 30 inches wide. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? 30, 30 inches diameter and no front head. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Sounds like, or, uh, I mean, no back no head. No back head. It so sounds like a really loose front head, no back or head. Or it's got the the big open circle back yeah. head. And it's yeah. just got an old pillow in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it, oh, it sounds Dude, so that's, good. That's great. Like, but not, yeah. not exactly good, uh, but yeah. great. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. All right. That is The Freshman by The Verve Pipe. Let's get one thing straight on this. Because it's this, uh, trying to find this song. Information about the song on the internet. The spelling is all over the place. Sure. Uh, okay, let's get let's get the title of this song right. This song is called The Fresh Men. M-E-N. Not 
the fresh man and not just freshman. freshman. It's the, the freshman. freshman. This is a song about... And it's the verb pipe. But that's right. The, the verb, verb pipe. pipe not the verb pipe. The no. verb pipe. That's right. The freshman. So much confusion. So many these. Wow. That's right. All the these. If you think should there be a the, the answer is yes. Yeah, there's a, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's okay. Good. Um and so and it's it's the fresh men because it's about two guys and a girl. Okay. We're gonna get into the story because I personally needed a, a little clarification. Um, because I don't listen to the lyrics until I force myself to. So the storyline of this song, I was telling JP, uh, the, the amount of m- lyrics that I was not hearing correctly or not <laughs> interpreting correctly about this song was off the charts. Yeah. Maybe more than any song that we've covered. Um, <laughs> especially since, like, you know, I-, I didn't really fully take in the lyrics. Like, you hear this song in 1997, um, and and it just becomes part of your life, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And so after that, you know, I don't I don't think about the lyrics mm-hmm. later. It's just a thing that I'm listening to. You yep. know what I mean? It's a go me, on autopilot. You're just singing along, even yeah, if the words are wrong. You're exactly. Just, you're just yes. Melodying along. It's about taking in the whole song. Uh-huh. And 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 for me, who already doesn't listen much to the lyrics, then it's you know it, it all just gets lost. So I got some clarity on the song. By the way, we're going to talk to Brian yes. Vander Ark, lead singer of uh, the Verve Pipe writer of this and many other great songs so hang around to the end you guys are gonna love this guy super and, cool dude. yeah really really fun guy he, he he gets it he was one of us um and so okay let's start at the beginning that is the freshman by the verve pipe from the 1996 album villains but the single uh was released in 1997 it went to number five on the u.s billboard hot 100 number one on the u.s adult alternative songs chart Number seven on the adult top 40 and mainstream top 40. Huge song. Number nine on the mainstream rock chart. Number six in Canada. Number 28 in Australia. It didn't chart significantly in the UK, which made me wonder why. This is such why? a huge song. Why, why didn't it chart why didn't in the it UK? translate well in yeah. the UK? Do they say freshman in the UK? I don't know. Like, what's the, we what were, is your first year of high school? Yeah, we were merely ninth years. Doesn't really sing the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think maybe that's what they, I think that might be, I don't know if they actually, you know what I mean? We were merely ninth years. We that's were great. merely ninth years. That's great. The ninth years by the Verve Pipe. <laughs> Doesn't quite uh, hit the same. This song was number 21 for all of 1997 in the United States. By the way, that is the Verve Pipe, not to be confused with the Verve. The verve. Right? right. So I think we made a joke with him about that. We did. We did. Um, so uh, that's the, it's always good. The, we went out the gates. It was it was a bit of a uh, a bit of a risk, uh-huh. but I think the very first thing I said to Brian in our interview was making a joke about the Verve, uh-huh. and and I knew like. If he gets this, we're going to be fine. If, if, this, if he, this lands, yes. we're friends, and this is golden. Yes. If this whiffs, it's going to be David Wilcox. Tense. Yes. <laughs> Tense times over at the podcast today. Yeah. But fortunately, it went great, and he's, he was really funny. All right. So let's first dig into the story, okay? Um, the song is about a love triangle. It is inspired by true events, but not completely true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are parts of this that's true, parts of it that's not. But here's one of those based on uh, the names have been changed. Yes, exactly. But it's based on a true story. Based, yes, based on a true story. It's like the if if the true story was written in the book, 
what we got on the single was the, was movie, the movie version, version. right? That's good. That's, uh, drama is amped up uh-huh. and, you know, whatever. It was taken from the biography, <laughs> but it was, you know, things were changed. Characters were either uh, split deleted or combined. Scenes, yeah. yeah, deleted scenes. That's right. So uh, here's, here's the story of the song, okay? Boy A, the narrator, dates girl. They break up. Boy B dates girl. They break up. And boy A dates girl again. Okay, I believe that is the story. At some point in this cycle, the girl gets pregnant and decides to terminate the pregnancy. She, feeling guilty, overdoses on Valium and dies. Both boys feel bad, but they never talk about it again. They never, they go their separate ways and they never process it in any way together. Okay. A lot of heavy topics there. It's so dark. <laughs> it's such a dark song. Yeah. Um, and and I never realized that the song involved a girl having an abortion, despite the line that clearly says, stop a baby's breath and a shoe full of rice, like about, you know, stopping this, this, this pregnancy and the wedding that would have ensued. You know what I mean? Um, I always thought about the baby's breath flower. From the very first time I heard this song, I thought, I thought, are they going to prom? You know what I mean? Okay. Like the baby's breath that you use on like a, uh-huh. a corsage or a, uh, what do you call the thing that goes on your hand? Um, I'd so I could think of the corsage one, and the other one is the son of a come, gun. Come Everybody on. knows this. Yeah, right? Corsage. Me and, and Robert are big daters. The, <laughs> <laughs> promise of success for both um, of us. The thing that goes around the wrist. All right. This is where y'all are listening going, are you You're shouting it out at us. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You what bring the called? girl the... Cumberbund. No. No. <laughs> no. No. Ah. Ver- Vermilion. Cum- uh, Poinsettia. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we'll come back to it. Whatever the thing is. Yeah, it's going to come. It's going to come. Um, but so I was like, I, it, that, that part to me never landed, even though it's very, very clearly uh, laid out in the song. Um, this song was influenced, interestingly, by the Divinals. Um, okay. Do you remember the Divinals? Vaguely, yes. They had the song. <laughs> Vaguely. They had the song in the, I think it was the very early 90s called I Touch Myself. Yes. Uh, I don't want anybody else when I think about you. I touch myself. We okay. nailed that, um, we by did. the way. We did. Um, and Brian Vander Ark said in an interview with Song Facts, um, the <laughs> line... I, what's it called? Just, I was looking it up, and so I just Googled. Hang on just a second. <laughs> I just looked up prom wrist flower, okay? <laughs> okay. So that is the corsage. No. So we're trying to think of the other thing. Boutonniere. Is that right? Yeah. It's a boutonniere. I think, I think it right, yeah. So anyway, underneath it, it says, what side does a woman wear a buttonhole? And I read it. <laughs> what side does a woman have a buttonhole? <laughs> What in the world is this? There are different sides. I don't know how this works. I've been anyway, married for twenty years. I'm so glad you thought of that. That boutonniere. Yeah, well, I didn't. I never boutonniere. found boutonniere it. is but, what goes on the on the on the dude's guy. Yeah, the girl is the, uh, chest. the wrist and then the, Thank you. Sorry, okay. guys. I got distracted. There. Rob was in the middle of this heartfelt <laughs> thing. So anyway, prom wrist flower. Uh, yes. So Brian said about the divinals. The line, I can't be held responsible because she was touching her face. He said, when I wrote this song, the Divinals had a song out called I Touch Myself. The TV was on. She was touching her face in the video. Very sexy. So I can't be responsible because she was trying to be sexy, trying to seduce me, yep. et cetera. So he was like, basically, I couldn't, I couldn't 
um, you know, I couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I had no, I had no resolve. No Listen, control. we're guys. We know sure. how this goes. There is no, there's no chance for us yeah. ever. When it comes to that sort of temptation, mm-hmm. we lose. Period. Most of the time. Every, yes. like, <laughs> it, it's not a thing that we can really, okay. That doesn't, that doesn't excuse doesn't it. doesn't justify it. That doesn't excuse it. He shouldn't have gone and got this girl pregnant if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't time. Right. However. I can see the uh, you got if, the logic of the song lands. The logic of the song lands when she's touching her face. It's uh, dude. It's hard. Come on. Uh, what are you? What are you supposed to do? Okay. Um, he also said, "Let's see." The freshman was written in 1991, one year before the Verve Pipe was born. Uh, I wrote it in a house on Gull Lake, Michigan. I had rented the movie The Freshman with Marlon Brando and Matthew okay. Broderick. And the case was just sitting there the I next morning. I didn't even morning. make that connection that it ties into that movie. Or yeah. Like that there was, I, I didn't know that. Yep. He said, the case was just sitting there the next morning, and I found myself staring at it. Then I realized that we're all freshmen at some point in our life. Why not write a song for all of us? It's good. And that's one of the reasons I think this song really lands, because we've all felt this about something. Yeah. Maybe not this heavy, mm-hmm. uh, although many of us have. But, like, we've all been at this point going, one of the greatest lines to start a chorus ever for the life of me. Yeah, it's great. It's so like yeah. pregnant to, to not to borrow something from the song but with with regret mm-hmm. and uh and like wistfulness all of there the things. There is power in that phrase. Yes. For the life of oh, me. Man. God. And he sings it so good. His enunciation is wonderful. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times since we've just been jo- like we were talking before, and like when I was in, re- I, I just go for the life of me yeah. all the time. You can't help but Mm-mm. do it, whether you. It's uh, the same thing you do when you impersonate Hootie. Yeah. You know, you try to sound like right, yeah, like Brian. Yeah, you got to sing it like Brian. Yeah. yeah, it's you don't just go for the life of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not Justin Bieber. It doesn't come out the same right. way. Right. Exactly. Know? Um, but yeah, his delivery. You feel that emotion. You feel all this guilt. Mm-hmm. You feel all this sorrow and regret and all these things coming through in that one line. Yeah. And it's so powerful that my next note was, let's just talk about the mood mm-hmm. and the, the way this song builds. Right. I mean, from, from the first note, this song has a mood and they recorded it several times, which we talked with Brian about and, and not until this version did they get the mood mm-hmm. that they felt like was right for the song. And and absolutely I'm glad they did absolutely, because yeah. uh it it totally works. But li- just let's listen one more time. Just the beginning of this, you get a single guitar, sounds like probably a Les Paul. You may have it in the notes. I don't know, but it sounds like a a Les Paul to me. Um but and you have that and then this other guitar comes in. Then on the right side, I mean, come on. The stage is set. Isn't that wild? It's such, and I don't know if it's because, I don't know if it's because we know what's coming. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's part of it that your your brain sort of instantly registers the whole song when you when you hear that. And you go, oh. You know, that's what, like, my whole body just goes, <laughs> oh, whenever I hear that. But um, the mood is set here. And that's really how it stays until the chorus, right? You've got Brian's vocal bare, you know what I mean? His his vocal is pretty dry. I'm sure it's got some like room reverb on, on, on a little bit, but it's not soaked. 
He's right in the mic, too. Yeah. There's some very light reverb on there. You can hear it on the ending consonants. Yeah. And then the first time, later we've got a line that comes in here, but here's just the guitar. So bare. It's just him and his thoughts. She was touching her face. I won't be held responsible. I mean, the lyric is so up front at this point. Then you get one little addition right here. For the face. I cannot remember what made groove. That's it. Just one one electric and a bass. I cannot believe we'd ever And then full band's gonna come in right here. It's like the brothers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the drums are in the back of the room. You've got some other stuff going on here. Guitar parts changing a little. And then from there on. The whole thing just keeps building through the entire song. Now we're going to get this lead line, which is everything. And it's way off. Like, you don't really even hear the attack of it. It's just in your right ear. It's, yeah, and it's soaked in reverb, set way back in the mix. Then we get this heavier chorus. Boom. I mean, those are rock guitars. Those are heavy guitars. So full of distortion. Like, those are really fun. And then it's going to go up another notch. Left side's got the single note. Guitar distorted. Those guitars by themselves would sound awful. Yes. But in the mix of everything, it's perfect. Yeah, you you would hear those alone and go, what? No. Smooth that out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so then we go through the, the third verse, which is down, and then chorus back up again. He changes the melody, right? He, uh, for the life of me, all that, you know what I mean? And then he goes real big on that last chorus. Yes. For yeah. the life of me, I cannot. Let's listen to it. Let's let Brian do it. He did it awesome. By the way, there's a change in the bass note right there. Hang on, let's just do it. Right? Instead of going 6, 5, 4, the bass is going 1, 7, 4. Might even be going 1, 7, 6. Can't quite hear it. The grit, dude. The grit in his vocal. And then it's like the very end, he just, it's almost like he's exhausted, you know? I love that that's peak of his range because it's not super high, but it stretches him. Yeah. And I love it. Little organ at the end. It's almost like. Sounds like feedback. Sounds like a funeral. (laughs) You know? Oh, yeah, I never made that. 
just that plain. That's not a B3. That's a church organ, that's a, you yeah. know, like a funeral home organ. Yeah. That's great. The uh, the way he plays the chords, I know we talked about it. Chord progression is pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, let's just, it's in the key of E. It is, yeah. Okay. So, so I'm hearing ca- it in a D voicing. That's, that's why it why sounds he's, like he's D That's why he's capo two okay. playing. Um, so he, he's playing D, G, B minor, D yeah. pretty much on the chorus, okay. but... Um, it's in the key of E. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, let's talk. About, can we talk? Can we meet the band? Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the gear since you mentioned it. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, we're gonna meet the band of the Verve Pipe that played on this track. I'm gonna start with one of the brothers. Uh, we'll we'll let Brian do most of the talking on himself okay. at the end, so we'll save him for this. So we'll start with Brad Vander Ark, bass player, backing vocals, um, one of the Vander Ark brothers. Started a band, which I think is a great name, Johnny with an I, but it's like E-Y-E, yes. which I think is awesome. And it's... and it's Spelled with a Y. Johnny, Johnny yes. with a Y with an I. <laughs> with an I, Which yes. I think is brilliant. I love that. <laughs> Um, before he, him and Brian had uh, the Verve Pipe, started playing guitar at age 14 like so many. And if my math is correct, that would have mean he would have probably been a freshman, mm, freshman year when he started so. playing at 14. I think you're a yeah, freshman. Eighth grade, ninth grade. It's somewhere some, around there. Depends on your if you're a young if you're early, or if you're like. Yeah, if you're the old one in the class yeah. or if you're the, the baby. Um, he now lives in Lake Michigan and does some freelance writing and music production. Um, and we get to talk with Brian about how he's back with uh, with with Brian now doing music, which is yeah. great. Um, on drums and backing vocals, Donnie Brown. Um, after the Verve Pipe released released two self titled EPs, um, he had songs in Dawson's Creek, uh, the Tim Allen film Joe Somebody. Okay, yeah, there you yeah. go. Everybody's favorite movie. Played drums for a lot of people um, that I don't know. So I'm going to list okay. these people and tell me if you know any of them. Okay, uh, Amy Petty. Thornetta Davis, Michael Robertson, and the Broken Heart Saviors all sound like great names of people that would do great music. Yeah, but, Thorn- Thornetta Davis sounds like I don't know she belongs in Memphis. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? yeah. It sounds like I would uh-huh. see her on the wall yeah. at the like at the, the, yeah. the Blues Hall of Fame that's in good. Memphis. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, on lead guitar, A.J. Dunning, um, and I'll sit on on uh, on this for a little bit because I do want to talk about um, some gear stuff. So I'm going to okay. I'm kind of gear out a little bit here. The amps that he plays through, um, an uh, Vox AC15, okay. which is, most people play the the AC30, AC or the AC30, but yeah. he plays a smaller version. Matchless Club 35 or the Super Chief 120 debated. Um, I don't know which one. Uh, Zinky Mofo, but his workhorse is a Fender Vibro King amp. Um, so. I was looking at this. That's a lot. Other than the, the Vox, it's a lot of just random amps. Mm. You don't hear a lot of people playing the Super Chief or the Zinky Mofo yeah. or the. If you're going to play a Fender, you're not playing a Vibro King, right? Like that's just. I thought that was awesome that he's got. And then he goes from there to your traditional guitars. He plays a Gibson Les Paul, Les Paul Junior, Gold Top, and he plays a Telly on this um, okay. as evident because I saw. Well, I imagine he plays it on the project because that's what he played on Live at Letterman. Okay, so I watched them do it live, and I imagine you would play the same guitar. That you played on the project seems if you, likely. If you are going to do a live, if it's so foundational to yeah, that song, if, yeah. And if you're going to do a live show right after you drop this, yeah. I imagine you'd want to stay pretty true to the original. But um, on keyboards and percussion, Doug Corella um, had a hard time finding info on him that's non-Verve pipe related. Um, he was in a band called The Carts with Todd Bowie. Um, and then Brian Vander Ark, who we're going to geek out on all things uh, Brian here in a little bit. Great, great interview. Great guy. Yes, a lot of fun. Funny guy. 
very sort of self-aware and, you know, um, he has such an interesting story, you know, the Verve Pipe, um, this album comes out and explodes, not instantly, but after the freshman gains traction, then this album, you know, goes really big. But the next album is, by all accounts, commercially a a miserable failure, yeah. you know, uh, which is ironic that the band, you know, made famous by this song called The Freshman would fall so victim to the, the sophomore, sophomore slump. slump that's right? good. Even though it's not technically their sophomore album, but basically coming off of a of the momentum as far as you know villains was their first major label yeah. debut right i got a good segue that kind of segues me into stump the genius okay can we play stump the genius sure. let's play it stump the genius stump the genius stump the genius it's time to stump the genius i said your part all right so we're gonna play stump the genius freshman edition <laughs> okay and i oh, had no. this i had this great idea so i was gonna I started with this concept of the Michigan Fab Five. Okay. So, like, I was going to give a quote by somebody else. Like, this is way too deep, and I didn't go there. Okay. Because okay. this would have been, like, super complicated, but okay. I was like, oh, I got to do something on the Michigan Fab Five. Because, right, early 90s exactly. era. So, I was going to do, like, um, a quote, oh, yes, they call him the streak, is by uh, Ray, Stevens. Ray Stevens. So, I would have found a way to get from there to Ray Jackson. Um, this is this is why this was a dumb idea wow, that I okay. did not do. I was gonna do <laughs> like a lot of work. The, uh, this is just a podcast. The, I know. I'd walk through hell in a gasoline to play baseball. Is the Pete, Pete, Rose. Pete Rose? So we would got Jalen Rose out okay, of that, and I was gonna okay. try to find a way to get through all five. Wow. And I was like, this is way too hard, <laughs> and this is gonna be dumb. So I went super easy, um, and we're gonna do true or false facts about freshmen. Okay. So these are these are statted facts. Can you reach the, okay. my bell? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. gonna get the bell here. I'm just going to ring it for myself. Okay, question one. More than 15% of college freshmen live more than 500 miles away from home. 15%? Like move, they move mm-hmm. 500 way, miles away from home. Okay, so is this a true or false? This, all these are true or false. Okay. So is, these are all true or false. Is it 15% or more? More than 15%, oh, more than 15% okay. of college freshmen live more Move more than, more than five, 500 miles away. Let's see. 500 miles is quite a way. I would walk I mean, that's a, that's a full That's a full state away. It's a good way. It's for good, us. I mean, that's... Do you th- think more freshmen, more than 15% would move away? I, you know what? I think so. That is false. Oh, wow. Less than 14%. Wow. So people stay close to home. I guess five, 500 miles, though. That's a long you know, way. That's a long... That's a big radius. That's a big... If you think of it like one straight line, but that's a that's a big radius. Okay. One-fourth of college freshmen say they need math tutoring. Uh, I, I would say, yeah. That is true. Correct. Shocking to me that a fourth... One out of every four say they need math tutoring. Man, I, I mean, as much as I hate math, I would totally, yeah. I would totally see that. Okay, during the senior year, more than forty percent of college seniors admit to a falling asleep during class. So huh. their senior year after, and this is yeah. not freshman, but after your senior year, uh-huh. more than forty percent. Admit, admit to, to a falling asleep. I would say, yeah. That is true. Forty-six yeah. percent. Have I told my falling asleep in class? No, here? tell it. Let's okay, hear. so I had this. Um, I had this. There's there's a, there's a music tie-in here. Sort okay, of, I've right? got one too that I think a, I told. Sound and audio tie-in. Let's okay. say. Okay, so I had a um, history teacher in high school. And I think it was um, was it American history? I can't even remember. 
That's how bad this was. Because I was a good for student. For the life of you, you cannot remember. That's right, for the life of me. I was a good student. Uh-huh. I made A's and B's. I was, you know, top 10% of my class, all that stuff. Um, and so, you know, I was not a fall asleep in class guy. But I had this one teacher who, you know, it's like a painted cinder block classroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I sat oh, in the Oh, is back. this the, the radiator? Yes. Moment? Yes. This okay, is so, like early season one. Okay, so, so t- time to retell it. So we, we had, um, I, and I may have been a freshman for this class. I don't, I don't recall f- fully. But um, I had to sit in the back next to the radiator. We had assigned seats. And where I sat in the room, this teacher had a very monotone voice. And he spoke quietly, and he spoke on the same pitch the whole time. He didn't really change his pitch. <laughs> I can't really do this for very long because yeah. I get distracted. But this is what he did the whole time. It was all on this one pitch. And the pitch that he spoke at naturally, where he lived as uh-huh. a teacher, was this resonant frequency in the room that um, it's the same The same concept as like how singers can make glasses break, uh-huh. right? You catch a frequency that vibrates that glass, and when you hit it hard enough, that glass shatters because the vibration makes it go nuts. Okay, so there's, there's oftentimes in a room frequencies that you can catch. If you just walk in through your house one day and go, and just walk around, you'll find some spot in your house where one of those frequencies will linger after you leave it. That's, that's what's his voice was that frequency in that room. And it made the whole room in the back just go. Oh man. <laughs> and I'm next if you're to this, driving and we just put you to sleep, roll down a window. Yes, I'm next to his hot radiator. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's warm. It's I'm in the back. Uh-huh. He's talking so quiet. And, all <laughs> and he's trying to teach me history, which is uh-huh. not my thing anyway. And so I, I definitely fell asleep in that class for I, sure. I, uh, I think the tie-in story that I had was that we had a teacher, Sabred Woods, that was narcoleptic and would yes. fall asleep in class. In class. But I'm going to go a different one that I don't think I told. I might have told this. I don't know. I was early elementary school, second or third grade. I can't remember. And I was in music class. And it was music. We were sitting in our desks, like before we got up to sing, and the teacher was just talking about music, um, you know, and just giving some. And I don't know why, but I was tired, and I fell asleep in the music class, and I fell off my my head fell off, and I farted at the same time. <laughs> and everybody, and you can't play that off like it's not you, because you just fell off the desk and audibly, and it was not a silent one. So oh, anyway, man. so that was my uh, that was my falling asleep in class. It was horrid. Wow. All right, that was number three. Uh, number four, I, so you're two for three so far. Okay. Um, over 75% of freshmen get accepted into their first college choice. I would say false. That is true. Wow. 76% of freshmen. So kids, get out there. It's easy. Wow. Just get in there and go to school. Right. Yeah, um, 76%. Uh, first, first choice. Wow. Um, over 75% live in a dorm. I hmm, over that's a lot over 75 I'm gonna say false that is true wow so you didn't get it right but uh 78 <laughs> percent of freshmen live in a dorm wow that's crazy stat right yeah I thought that was high too so, I guess fr- I guess freshmen most living freshmen in a dorm, you have to live because you, you can't on, do off-campus housing right 
Um, anyway, I guess the other percentage left. My stats home. were skewed. I was a commuter. That's right. I commuted, Rob, Rob lived so. at home, so uh, a lot of that. Never but did the anyway, dorm. Never did the on-campus freshman like, trivia. apartment housing. Let us know how you guys did at home. We wow. always like to hear how you do versus our, our genius and stuff right. the genius. Let's see. Um, I have a little bit more on the Verve Pipe as a band that I can add. Um, formed in East Lansing, Michigan in 1992, as we said. And actually, I think there was another band involved other than Johnny with an I. Okay. I believe in my research, if, if I can trust it, they kind of formed from a combination of two bands, Johnny with an I and a band called Water for the Pool, okay. where um, if I recall correctly, there was kind of a producer who was working with both of these bands at the same time, I think, and went, I th- why don't you try and sing this song for this band that kind of thing. Let's and it put was a you thing guys they, together. They kind of got cross-pollinated in a couple of ways, and eventually they the the other two bands sort of parted, and the and the um, Verve Pipe formed out of that. That'd be neat. To, we should have looked up who was in Johnny. Like, what's up with it? We should have meet the band section on the leftovers from Johnny with right? an eye and yes, water from and the pool. Water for, yeah, water from the pool. Um, so their their first major major label release, as we said, was Villains in 1996, uh, which contained in its first pressing a different version of the Freshman that is called the Studio D version. So let me play you a little bit of that, and you'll hear how different it is. And this was at least the second recording already of the Freshman because they had put it out first 92. on their 92 independent album, I've Suffered a Head Injury. Well, it's already in with drums it's already this is much more this is an inch away from wicked game by chris oh man and listen to his vocal delivery is different i was young and knew everything it's not as she a punk it's not as gritty it's not as especially you'll hear it further into the song well more effect too you can hear just in the yeah. beginning of the lines stop that just bass yeah and drums. bass and drums then guitar can be and they're the basically on one seven six she was okay that's how four five four but one seven six, then one five four. She fell in love in the first mm, I don't, I don't not, like not you know the little melody changes. It's not quite the same song. Yeah. It's very gentle. You know, it's still full yeah. of thought. How big does it get? Let's still get pretty here we go. That's as big as it gets? Yeah. Oh yeah, no 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 no. It's only like pensive and thoughtful. It's a coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the the single version that Brian sort of tells us how it evolves and how they how they ended up doing yeah, it. Yeah, we'll let you hear it from him. You'll love that. Yeah. So the follow up was 1999's self titled "The Verve Pipe." It didn't sell well at all. Then they had uh, in 2001 the album "Underneath," which Brian says is his actual favorite album of theirs, um, and it had the song "Colorful," which appeared in the movie "Rockstar." Which he I talks love. a little bit about that. Um, and then after that, there's a long drought. Um, for the Verve Pipe, and it's during that time that we'll talk a little bit, a little bit to Brian about. But Brian started doing house shows where he would just show up with his acoustic guitar, and you could, you know, book him privately to come into your house. And he was really kind of ahead of his time in that. Uh, it's pretty common now, especially it got very common in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the height of the pandemic uh, coming out of it. 
Um, and even more so, it went from, okay, we can't travel, but maybe I can do some house shows, to, hey, let me live stream from my living room. Yeah, from my house. Yeah. From my kitchen. So I'll bring my house to you, and you can pay to, you know, to get in and get a ticket. Um, so then from 2001 to 2009, there's nothing from the Verve Pipe. Then in 2009 and 2014, they released two family albums um, that were geared more toward kids and parents and and just kind of being fun. Let me play you a little bit. This is from 2009's. The, the, the album is called A Family Album by the Verve Pipe. It's got a cute little cartoon grumpy cat on the front of it. Not the grumpy cat, but a grumpy <laughs> cat. This is Wake Up from A Family Album. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's time to go to school. Your mom and dad won't let you be a fool. It's really great. It's got some humor. It's fun to get the songs are good. And I love I mean come on, that's good. That's good. I love that they were not too cool to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, dude, we're the freaking Verve Pipe. Are we you doing serious? no kids album? Yeah. But he's like, man, I got this fun idea. Let's try this. You know, he's got a kid at this point. Like, let's let's make some songs for kids. Why not? Who's who said you can't do that as a rock band? Right. You know, um, you know and you know the parents are gonna love it. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and then there's like, there's such a funny song on the second one. The two, 2014, they released Are We There Yet, their second family album. And it has a song on it called I Didn't Get My Notes Signed, <laughs> which is the most kid school thing, uh-huh. concept for a song that you could possibly come up with. <laughs> and it's literally about like, I had to miss the field trip because I thought mom signed the note. Dad thought mom signed the note, uh-huh. you know? And it's so, it's so funny. So um, check out, if you got kids, Play them a family album and are we there yet? And and they will love them. In 2014, they also started doing some like quote unquote regular Verve Pipe stuff again. They came out with the album Overboard, 2017 Parachute, and then late 2021, their latest album Threads, which I've really enjoyed. I, have you got? Yeah, yeah, I have. So it's been really good. Uh, I f- I found a. By the way, if you want to watch, there is a full uh, documentary. It's about an hour long. Um, about Brian's time doing um, uh, house shows, documented it as he was doing it. It's called Lawn Chairs in Living Rooms, uh, and it's on Vimeo. You can find it. But if I'm sure if you just type Lawn Chairs in Living Rooms, Brian Vander Ark, it'll, it'll come up. But it's very cool to, you know, kind of watch him go through all this. And he gets – he's very he's always very upfront about, like, you know, here's why I'm doing this and here's – you know what I mean? Here's what it means um, for me. And so it's it's really cool to watch that kind of stuff. Um, I found a hilariously nineties interview with the band from 1996 on something called launch. Do you remember something called launch uh-uh. from the nineties? I don't know if it was, um, a, a magazine that maybe came with a CD ROM, but okay. that's what it makes me think of. Yeah. Um, because the, it's like a, it's a video interview and it's all done in like 15 to 30 second snippets. Okay. Which makes me think that it had to be some sort of CD-ROM. We weren't streaming this kind of thing yet, you know? So it could have been video clips that you could click on on an internet page, but it seems to me at the time, the height of CD-ROM was right there. Um, So, and it's like they they record the guys in the band in front of a green screen, and the background is a virtual set. It's like a virtual lounge coffee shop thing. Over the top, there's no need to do that. Just film it in a coffee house. (laughs) But like, 
it was so mid to late nineties that it, you know, it makes the whole scene look like outtakes from a CD-ROM game like Mist. You yeah, remember Mist or the Seventh Guest, Under a Killing Moon, those full motion video games that Dude, were in I told you one the nineties. One of my favorites was uh, King's Quest. King's oh, Quest. Oh yes. If you beat King's Quest Five, you got to hear the song "Girl from the Tower." Yeah, that's freaking awesome. <laughs> look it up sometime. That's great. Okay. Um, so that, that's really fun. You can, you can look it up. Uh, it's, it's on YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube, but it's only like 15 to 30 second clips. All right. I, I think I have one more kind of significant thing. Actually, okay. two, I got this and then a thing that's not significant, but it's going to be cool. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned early on that this song is moody and it is dark, right? Yes. Even it, it, the more you look into it, the darker it gets. Um, it is in fact, one of the darkest songs of the 90s. Okay. And you know how I found that? List? There's a list. All okay. right. So Rob loves lists. This is a BuzzFeed list called 17 quote-unquote fun songs from the 90s that you didn't realize have some pretty dark lyrics. Okay. Right? So number one, a couple of these songs I'm not as familiar with. Uh, number one is because it's the Goo Goo Dolls. Slide by the Goo Goo Absolutely. Dolls. Absolutely. You know Slide? Why don't you slide? Oh, come on, you know it. Why don't you slide? Well, I'll be everything you ever dreamed to be complete. Oh, is that the one that's got the one guitar thing that's like... Absolutely. That's all I know from that song. It's... Nailed it, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Slide... Why don't you slide up to my room? Well, it's about abortion. Okay. It's about it's well, about an abortion. There okay, uh, there away. we go. Um, let's see. Second is uh, "Jumper" by Third Eye Blind. Okay. Another I wish band you I also would don't... step back from that ledge, my friend. Yeah, yeah. That... Um, and I, th- the ever th- popular F major seven chord open there at the beginning. <laughs> yes, sliding up to the C. What's that guy's name? Steven Johnson. Is that the okay. lead singer? Maybe he's a really funny, likable guy. I've seen him on some stuff. Uh-huh. Man, I hate his band. <laughs> I, I, like I told him. you I saw them at Memphis in May for the Bill Street Music, Music Festival. Yeah. I don't know if I told you about that, but packed. Like, everybody's there. Still. And they didn't play any hits till like, <gasps> later on. And oh. everybody was like, ah! Yeah. You got to give them one. One. They're not the kind of band that you wait. That you exactly. just they yeah. played, I think they did uh, Simma Charm Life, mm-hmm. um, like song seven or okay. eight. Wow. It's like hanging on there, guys. Yeah, no, you but, can't. Yeah, anyway. You can't do that. Uh, Janet Jackson, Together Again, is number three. Okay. Do you know that one? Uh, I what should. I'd give to hold you close as on earth in heaven we'll be together, baby. Together again, my baby. I don't know. I don't, it, it, it doesn't, yeah, it's should. not ringing the bell. It should. Huge Janet Jackson. Um, but anyway, it's it's uh, about uh, how one day you'll see your your dead, uh, you know, boyfriend yeah. girlfriend in heaven, um, you know, whatever dance song. I'm sure I'd know it if I heard Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. I just I can't get the hook in my head. Number four is the freshman, which is also misspelled in this article. Fantastic. It's spelled the fresh man. <laughs> uh, number five, Dave Matthews Band, Crash Into Me. Absolutely. Uh, that one's a little. You can if you sneak into the lyrics, you can kind of figure out what that one's about. Number six, Blind Melon, No Rain. It's about, near, it's near, about near, depression. Near. Yeah, R.I.P., that yeah. guy. Uh, number seven, Today by the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, it's actually written about suicide, said Billy Corgan, I think. Um, and uh, let's see, Independence Day by Martina McBride. It's Independence Sneaky. Day. How yeah. is that not, what's depressing about it? It's a country song with an upbeat tempo and catchy mm-hmm. chorus about freedom, but it's incredibly Let dark. Let freedom ring. The song is about an alcoholic and violently abusive husband who is murdered by his wife, who then Holy burns hell. their house down, and the kid is taken this by the is county. A day of reckoning, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking through the lyrics. Yeah, it it just comes across as a as, as a happy a, song. As a Yay, girl power of July. Anthem, I know, you know, right? 
Did, have you, th- you thought it was about 4th of yeah. July? You never thought it was yeah, about never a did. woman? I was like, no, until right now, I'm like, shoot them fireworks. <laughs> Let's freaking do this thing. <laughs> Yay, nation. Yay, 4th of July. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let's see. Number nine on this list is Polly by Nirvana. Uh, I know you're not a big Nirvana Unplugged I'm not, guy. I'm but not. I know this song from the Nirvana Unplugged album. Um, it's, it's pretty dark. It's about a kidnapping and some other situations. Number 10, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Under the Bridge. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, how about Hanson coming in at number 11 yeah. with Mbop? Bop. It's about, uh, you know, relationships uh, being being abandoned and being left by everyone you know. And that most re- relationships in life are futile and could end at any moment. Gone too fast. Number 12, Brick by Ben Folds 5. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. She's a brick and I'm drowning slowly. Also about abortion. A lot of abortion songs in the lot 90s. Of abortion I guess song. it was a real, um, you know. It's gracious. Uh, number 13, we've talked about this one. How about The Way by Fastball? Yeah, absolutely. Dark, dark, dark. Tony uh, Scalzo, I'm Tony Scalzo. <laughs> Go back and listen to our episode with yeah, our with good Tony. friend, Tony Scalzo. That's right. You remember Possum Kingdom by the Toadies? I remember the Toadies, dun, dun, but I don't dun, remember the song. Dun, 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 uh, do you want to die? It sounded like you sang the riff to Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> That's some Sweet Home like, Alabama You know that like, song by the Toadies? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> no. It's, got a little, it's got a little riff that's in like 7-4 in it. Okay. Uh, something, 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 my sweet angel, so help me Jesus. I don't, I don't know that oh, one. Sorry. Right. You stumped this genius. Right. Uh, how about Sunny Came Home by Sean uh, Coleman? Yes, freaking love that In song. at number 15, it's about an esca- escaping an abusive relationship and arson. Kind of the same thing as yeah. Independence Day, really. Uh, a lot Man, of I women burning down houses. Uh, let's see. Wrong Way by Sublime. Do you know that? Wrong Way? Oh, I think it's like up-tempo, kind of faster. I think I know that one. Okay. Couldn't sing it, but yeah. Uh, and then number seven, I don't know this song what, or this seven, artist. 17? 17, I'm sorry. Number 17 is Steal My Sunshine by Steal Annie Lynn. Steal My Sunshine by Lynn. You know it. Sing song. it. Steal My Sunshine. That's, the, that's all I... It's horrible. Okay. It's gr- I probably heard it and thought it was... High girly voice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. I, I've probably heard it and thought it was maybe Steal My Sunshine. It is, right? It's Steal, like... Steal, S T E A L. Take take away my sunshine. Yeah, yeah that's okay. what that's what I was saying. What okay. were you saying? I was saying still. Oh, S T I L. Yeah, we live in cool. the South. This is a real problem steel. down here. For, Are you saying steal? I'm saying steal. <laughs> for those of you, who, for those of you who don't live in the American South <laughs> or don't have any Southern friends, cool whip. Still and steal is a real it's, problem it's around the same here. Same word. Uh, because it, he said, "I'm saying steal." I'm like, I know steal. <laughs> still. And steal, okay? Because you it it crosses both ways. There there are there are people who pronounce the word still steal, right? Like, yeah, we're we're you still going into the thing? You uh, know what I mean? Steal crazy, yeah. After right? all, it's like- and then you also get people who say steal. Like, if I'm going to steal something from the store, pronounce it still, still. right? Like. You know, you know, he got caught. He was he was trying to steal. He was coke stealing. From the, yeah, he, he was got stealing. Ca- caught stealing. Yeah, caught stealing. same thing happens in the South with with uh, sell and sale. Oh, good oh, lord! Dude, yeah, I mean, this is for sale. Uh, yeah, like uh, this is for sale. That is one of the this most most criminal atrocities that happens to the English language in the South is is steal is that, is and that, still sell and sale. Is that for sale? Yeah, is it, it's is not that on for sale? sale. It's not on, it's for sale. It's not on sale. <laughs> sale. It's so weird. Okay. All right. Anyway, those are the darkest, darkest songs in the 90s. I do have one other thing, uh, and I don't know if we'll play a clip or not, but I found one cover that is of note to us because of who we are. 
Bronson Arroyo covered this song on his album Covering the Bases. Do you remember Bronson Arroyo? Pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, holy cow. I was not even thinking sports when you were yes. saying that. I was like, is he like a drummer for somebody? Yeah. Bronson Arroyo. Bronson, okay. Right? He pitched for the Reds. He had yeah. kind of like shoulder length hair. Yeah. And he put out a couple of albums. Okay, and, I didn't know this. And on his album, Covering the Bases, which I assume is only available on CD, I tried to find it streaming. I found a thing of him doing it live. It okay. was not bad. Yeah. You know, it was fine. But uh, yeah, Bronson Arroyo, MLB, former MLB pitcher. Um Covered covered this song on his album covering the bases. How about that? And God. I think that about covers all our bases oh, on hang, this hang song. Hang around with Brian, except for like one him. other thing. That's right. We're going to talk to Brian Vander Ark here in just a second. But in the meantime, I want you to stop whatever you're doing. Okay, I know you're on the toilet. Just stop. Okay, <laughs> stop yourself. Pinch it. Grab your phone. Yeah, just 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 make 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 a second to do this. Okay. <laughs> Go to Facebook.com slash Great Song Pod, Instagram.com slash Great Song Pod, Twitter.com slash Great Song Pod, and just hit that follow button, okay, until it lights up, until it tells you to stop hitting it. <laughs> hit that thing, join the Facebook group, Great Songs, and the great people who love them greatly. And if you want to go and support the show, go the extra mile and become a patron of the show at Patreon, patreon.com slash great song pod. You can support the show directly there. And if you decide to do that, we can say thank you by giving you stuff like early releases, bonus episodes, exclusive shows you can't get anywhere else, and more. Last year, we put out a full album on Patreon that has never existed anywhere <laughs> outside That's of it. that before. No one has ever heard that album except the two of us before. It's special. And we put it out on Patreon. So uh, the only way to get stuff like that is to go to patreon.com slash great song pod. Uh, we will talk to Brian Vader Ark. We'll be back at the end of Tuck You In. This is the Great Song Podcast. All right, I think that's it. Yeah, we'll just start, we'll, we'll start, do a little intro, and we'll start hammering away some uh, some questions. And at if you. you hear anything that you're like, eh, pass, we can edit in, <laughs> in or out anything that you want. But okay. we'll, we'll keep it I've never, I've never had to do that in the past, but... Well, we'll but do we'll, our best to make it happen. <laughs> I love it. No, that I like. <laughs> we were actually just talking about, uh, right before you called, we were like, what if we just did the interview with a different voice, or we just talked really slowly just to see how long <laughs> he would be patient? <laughs> hey, Very Brian, funny. thanks oh for God. coming on. All right, here we go. Kick it, Rob. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Brian Vander Ark, lead singer, songwriter of The Verve Pipe. Uh, singer of The Freshman, all the music you love from The Verve Pipe, and everything. Uh, he, they did that Bittersweet Symphony song. It was fantastic. <laughs> all right. Um, Shut it down. Interview over. We there did it. it. We, did, we it. did it. We did it. Success. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, seriously, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, man. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. It's funny you talk about Bittersweet Symphony. I, I feel that every single day. Every oh, day I, I have uh -huh. to tell people or I have to, I make a joke of it or I post about it. I mean, it happens all the time. So I was going to ask like when you, okay, when this song blows up and you're like, oh, who's that band? What the, the Verve? What? Come on guys. Were you just yeah. like so angry? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we knew it was coming because we, you know, we had named the band, uh, the Verve Pipe and then. We saw a music magazine. This was in 1992, an English music magazine that had an advertisement for uh, A Storm in Heaven, which was, I think, uh, the upcoming Verve record. And we're like, oh, my God, no. But then we figured what, you know, what would be the chances of a band from Michigan and a band from England, you know, having any kind of issues? And wouldn't you know it, you know, 
four years later, we both had hit songs like within weeks of each other. It was crazy, you know. So just bad luck. So, yeah. so you mentioned you're from Michigan. Uh, I had this later yeah. in, down the line. Are you a Lions fan? Are you a Pistons fan? Are you a Michigan Wolverines fan? Are you a sports fan at all? What, you, if so, what's you, your score? I'm, I was a huge, I've always been a huge sports fan. So okay. back in 1990, I was like, I, I have to I have to cut out all of the sports watching, right? So I got to pick oh. one team uh, to watch and support. And I picked the Lions. <laughs> So you're like, you have the Barry Sanders jersey. And you're like, yes. all, all about oh that. Oh, my God. Era. You get to uh, watch them every Thanksgiving, and that's about the only time you want to watch them, right? That's, good. that's about the only time. And even this year, it was disappointing. Oh, you know? man. So, I know. Uh, I especially. I thought Jared Goff was going to be the changer, right? The Stafford-Goff yeah. trade. I, no. thought, I thought maybe that'll help you guys. But, yeah. but I got to say, Stafford, you know, Stafford was playing great in the beginning, and I was like, I knew it. And then he had a couple <laughs> of really bad games where the old math that we knew came that's right. out. It's like, all right. Well, so. I'm a I'm a huge sports fan. I've been to every major league baseball park and all but two NFL stadiums. And Ford Field was one of my favorites. There, it was really it's nice. a great field. I, yeah, I, it's I, a great I enjoyed field. that. Um, so to get back a little bit more musical, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Go Lions! Um, your ninth studio album, Threads. I just read an interview that you did with Riff, and you talked about how this album's heavily revolved around the theme of fate. And how you think of fate as a upbeat and positive uh, light? And can can you just share a little bit about the themes of the song and, and relation? Yeah, to that? I think that you know we're all connected in some way, um, universally. Um, some people believe in God, some people believe in the universe, and some people believe that music is the lowest common denominator that connects us all. That's what I happen to believe, and I think that Threads is an album that has a collection of stories that does connect us all. We can all relate to each one of these stories in some, in some way. And that was the point of the record. Once Channing had come up with the, um, Channing Lee is our, uh, as the other co-writer, once she came up with the theme behind it, I was like, Oh my God, that's perfect. It fits. It fits together perfectly. Um, and so that was it, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride of emotions. Um, and hopefully for the listener, as well as for us, when we play it live. And these are the albums that I grew up on, the albums that I loved, you know, the conceptual albums of, you know, Genesis and, you know, even going as far as sticks and that kind of thing, you know, Dude, I'm a huge uh, sticks what, fan. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Well, we don't, we don't mention castle walls and that kind of thing very much, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there, in, there is always the inexplicable, um, you know, appearance of a unicorn on occasion, you know, yeah. <laughs> in, in a stick song, but there, you know, I always love the drama in those sticks albums and in the Genesis albums. Uh, we and, actually closed our se- last season with uh, yeah, with Sticks, Lawrence yeah. Gowan from Sticks. Yeah. So we're, we're oh, both, that's funny. Yeah. You know what's great? I just heard. I just was going through. Uh, you know, uh, just going through the old stuff. Every once I have a few drinks and put the headphones on, and I want to listen to my old favorites. You know. Yeah. And uh, and the new Sticks album came up, and I was like, okay, let's see what these guys are doing. Yeah. And it sounds exactly the same. Good, I was man. like, it's oh, thick. my God. I yeah. was so impressed. I was sending that text to everybody. You know, I was like, you've got to listen to this. You know, so I had I thoroughly enjoyed it. But anyway, not not to get too off top of, of our album, but that those are the influences that I grew up with. You know, the idea that you can make an album of songs that is still uh, relevant uh, as it, uh, being an LP as an as an art form. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just one song, yes. and it's important for me to continue to harp on this. You know, uh, 
this idea that albums are still albums. Most albums that are in, you know were put out in the seventies and had that major push to them were really high quality start to finish albums. Rob you know, stood and when, applauded as you said that I as did. we're both album guys. <laughs> I just gave you a standing Good. ovation in the studio. So. Well, I never get enough. I mean, I can get I get enough of an artist who who you know is not a good writer. I can never get enough. If somebody's a great writer, I want to hear. I want to sit for forty five minutes at least and listen to what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, and you only get that from a great album. You know, That's so, so true. Is Threads the kind of album that you know? If we go see the Verve Pipe in twenty twenty two, are you guys going to be doing this thing front to back? No, we wouldn't. Well, we already did that for the hardcore fans. We did a VIP show, but you know, listen, you know, we, we, we know who we are and we know what our legacy is. And what I prefer to do is we, I prefer to go and put on an hour and a half, two hour show, but we're not going to make people wait two hours to hear stuff off of villains or okay. hear the freshman. We're not the band that comes out for the encore and plays the freshman. Okay. We're, we're, you know, we're the band that plays the freshman, like the seventh or eighth song, just so we can play everything else we want to play. And the people that only were there for the freshman can go do their own thing. Right. <laughs> that's like, a kind I mean? move. That's, that's a, that's very kind. Well, I mean, I've been to so many shows where, you know, even from some of our peers where you go to the show and they save, you know, the song for the, the big hit song for the encore. It's such a calculated move <laughs> for us. It's like, why do that? We, we want to enjoy the spontaneity of playing the new songs of playing stuff that's off our first album in 92, you know, so we take fan requests uh, up front, you know, we're really, we've really got it down to where we're a crowd pleaser, band we're not the shoegazer band you know yeah. i mean we really want people to come on to have a good time you spent you spent your money you've got a babysitter you're coming out you know <laughs> put you we're going to entertain you for two hours and if we don't then we're failing miserable but that's great know, that you know I've that your audience gets a babysitter yeah. to come see like you're playing to that oh my god crowd. well i got kids i've yeah. got kids you know i mean i know i right. mean i know what that's like i mean most of our crowd probably is past that but the fact is, is that, you know, these are still people that appreciate, uh, you know, music and they don't appreciate when, you know, when a band comes on late, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. or, you know, a band half steps it, you know, doesn't, <laughs> is not entertaining, you know, and makes them wait the entire night to hear the song they want to hear. You know, that's just not us. Well, we'll brag on your punctuality. You were punctual with us. <laughs> right on. Right well, on you know, it's funny. That's oh, that's going to be my legacy. Wonderful, <laughs> the only rock star in history that was always a minute early to the interview. Such a punctual young man. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. touched, you touched on I've suffered a head injury in '92, which freshman was originally on, um, and then it blew right. up on Villains. Speaking of the song Villains, I love the pan of the vocal on the far left at the beginning, and add the little creepy voice and that head vibe. And my I'm a su idea. sucker for black and white videos. Um, great, great stuff there. Um, Thank you. You used Jerry Harrison as a producer on Villains. So smart. Stuff with live. I mean, he did Throwing Copper and God Shuffled His Feet for Crash Test Dummies. Trouble is, yeah. Kenny Wayne Shepard. How did y'all land Jerry? How did that connection hook up? Jerry was uh, presented to us through <clears throat> RCA Records, so our A&R man who had worked with him on something before. I forget what project he had worked with him. And we, of course, you know, we're over the moon where this new band from Michigan and we get to work with a legend, you know, from the talking heads, huge fans, you know, uh, and you know, Jerry was every 
person that you would expect him to be. He had a really great ear. He was very good at uh, instrumentation uh, choice. And uh, he, you know, he also he took into account what the band was and that we were trying to be a successful band. You know, we weren't one of the bands that just wanted to make a record go away. We wanted to be uber successful. And we embraced all of those 90s qualities of the heavy guitars and, you know, the uh, the vocals that have a bit of an ambiguous lyric and all these other things that he and the Talking Heads were so, uh, you know, great at, you know, uh, lyric-wise, not the grungy guitars. Right. So, you know, you get a little bit of that uh, artistic quality and artistic uh, sense from him, but you also get the guidance of, you know, what's happening today. Mm-hmm. And what's, what was happening in the 90s was the sound that he and Carl Durfler were coming up with, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you sound, it sounds 90s. It's right, it sounds 90s it's rock. very and 90s it, record, yeah, but for I'll, sure. I'll go more than that, though. I, and, I, and I think this was maybe... Um, one of, you know, it's, it, it's pretty well documented that like uh, villains blew up, the freshman blows up, uh, and then the next record kind of, you know, um, disappointed, uh, you know, to say the sure. least as far as sales. Um, and yeah. I was, I was thinking it's, it's be, part of it may have been that I'm sure you've thought about this, but, uh, the freshman is such, it's an entire mood unto itself. Like that song, even mm-hmm. now, when you put it on, it is a it is a vibe that just jumps out of the speakers. Um, Agreed. Agreed. And to the point where I think maybe if you know if 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 that's all you know of the Verve pipe at that point, and most people that was all they knew, then something else comes out and you expect it to be exactly that again. When right. you know it was kind of a lightning in a bottle thing. The 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 production, sure. the creativity, the the lyric, the feel, even your vocal performance, all you know put together this one thing that was just. It was just a whole moment, and it's just really hard to recapture that as you as you guys you know sort of discovered. And well, it gets it, it gets even more confusing because Jerry Harrison didn't produce that version of the Freshman that was the big hit. That was Jack Joseph Puig. So okay. we went back into the studio because Jerry hadn't nailed it the way that we thought he should have nailed it. Yeah. And we went in with Jack Joseph Puig, who had worked with bands that we loved also. You know, he he had done the Jellyfish record. He had worked with, you know, uh, a handful of other artists. Uh, uh, and we were like, oh, man, this this could be the guy now. Let's go to him. And we went to him, and he sat us all in the room together, which Jerry hadn't done. He, You know, Jack put us all in the room together, played this. We played the song 20 times in a row until we got it right. And, uh, you know... Otherwise, we built the tracks with Jerry with the drums first, and then you add the bass, and then whatever. Uh, so that's why that vibe worked so well. I think you know that was in Ocean Way Studios in in LA, and and uh, we you know we took three days to recreate the freshman for the you know re-record the freshman for the third time in our in our right. history, you know, yeah. and that was the one that hit. Yeah. And you can, which is funny because the album was released and Jerry's version was on the album at first, and we sold a couple hundred thousand copies. And then when we went back in to redo it, you know, all those records, those other hundred thousand records were still in the stores. And so people heard an MTV version, which was the new version. And then yeah. they bought the record and they got the old version. And like, what the heck is this? Wow. this isn't the that's a song. great story. You know, it was a huge Dude, mess. Awesome. It was a huge mess. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is that a big collectible on eBay now? You got people selling the CDs of the originals? 
Yeah, it's funny because I, we always know if it's the original because those came out in a blue, like a blue jewel case or something very oh, okay. 90s, you know. Yeah. So we always know the first 100,000 that were purchased. You know? cool. Oh, man, that's crazy. That's uh, crazy. Speaking, yeah. speaking of 90s, you played Leno and Letterman both in the 90s. Uh, let's talk about yeah. the 97 Letterman performance. If you could go back 24 <laughs> years and speak with that Brian, what advice would you give him, not necessarily about that performance, because other than the electric lime green shirt that's unbuttoned, buttoned a little too low it's pretty Don't. perfect um I, I, young brian do not think that you can do your own hair <laughs> well 99 on leno you went with the spiky hair so you that right. reminded you it reminded you are a rocker so at least you uh yeah at least you that went worked better for me uh, the performance <laughs> on letterman i like the performance on letterman Dude, me too better, it's so good I've got a t- we had a TikTok video that of me watching that. I just made it a few weeks ago. It's got half a million views just from me looking and being so disappointed in my hairstyle. <laughs> from it's ridiculous. That's, that's awesome. And speaking of great shirts, I think Brad one ups you on the on photograph with the long sleeve silk rayon shirt. Uh, we had Emerson Heart of Tonic on not too long ago, and it's amazing <laughs> yeah. how many of these long sleeve shirts, these silk rayon shirts, are in all these videos. Um, you know. What's, you know what you you know why that is? Let me tell you something about Everson Hart and the Verve Pipe and Seven Mary Three and all the other bands that were all hanging out together yes, back please. then. Yes, there was please. one woman. Her name is Leah Simon. She's a gem, and she's she was there with us in those early days. She was friends with our publishers, and she would buy us shirts and she would take us to shopping. And it was just and honestly, she did. She wasn't a stylist. She just knew what she liked, and she was wonderful. So we all had a very similar look. That's back awesome. Then, next, we week, were all friends with Leah. Next week on the Great Song Podcast, we're going to be interviewing Leah Simon about fashion in the '90s rock scene. That's awesome. You can already tell we like to do deep research on shirts. So, uh, <laughs> clearly, you guys know your shirts. <laughs> One thing you can say about your podcast, man, those guys know their shirts. That's right. We're shirts. a music podcast about shirts. That's, right. That's, right. <laughs> uh, That's funny. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, something I was not aware of, uh, and and I'm sure a lot of people maybe not aware of for the Verve Pipe, which sort of your left turn into um, family and and children's music. Um, and I, yeah. I love it. I love the idea, the the family album. Uh, what was the sort of impetus to like to turn into that? You first of all, I'll say just by interviewing you and and reading some about you, you seem like a guy who is confident just being whatever you are. You're like, this is what I'm gonna, this is what I am, this is what I'm gonna do, and you're not really concerned with like outside opinions about you know what no. it seems like. So, you know, tell me how yeah. that sort of came about, the family album. Well, first of all, I appreciate that assessment of who I am because that's exactly who I am. I do I do whatever I think is the right thing to do at the time, and I follow my instincts. And I felt like after we released our album Underneath, which came out the week of 9-11, uh, and it was an a album. great, oh my God, it was a great album. And we had a song at the end of Rockstar, you know, yeah. Mark Wahlberg lip syncs to Colorful, colorful lip syncs yeah. to my voice. I mean, everything was going our way for a huge comeback after that terrible sophomore uh, debacle. Uh, and it was released on 9-11. So, so serious uh, that time was, we couldn't promote it. You couldn't do anything. And so we just said, okay, well, this is the end of an era. We got dropped by RCA. It's like we were all feeling dejected and, and we weren't talking to each other and a couple of years, three years went by. And it's like, well, let's go back into the studio and see if we can do something. But let's let's make it fun. Well, how can we make it fun? Well, 
I've been going to these kids. I had a young daughter at the time. I'm like, I'm going to all these kids' performances of like at the ballet or whatever. And every time you buy, I notice every time somebody buys one t-shirt for one kid, they buy t-shirts for all their kids. They have to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, why don't we put out a kid's record? And we did. And the, but we made it, we didn't make we we're like, we're not gonna do the wiggles. We're gonna make it like right. big rock, guitar mm-hmm. solos, three-part harmonies, what we do but we're going to have kind of silly lyrics and sh- lyrics about shenanigans and that kind of thing. But when we were growing up and Sirius XM picked it up and played the hell out of it. And I, we make more money off the kids stuff than we made. Hey, off anything awesome. else. Wow. I mean, it's, and it's so fun. It was so fun. We made another one and we would do kids shows. You know, we did Lollapalooza, but the kids stage, Perry Farrell asked us if we come, they had a kid stage one year. So we went and did that and played in front of 10,000 screaming kids. That's it was awesome. ridiculous. Great, it was ridiculous, but so fun. And then, of course, we pissed a lot of people off that came to the shows thinking that we were going to play the freshman. I'm not right. playing the freshman at the kids. <laughs> that's, right. that's a little dark for it. It's yeah. about abortion and suicide. Yeah, let's I mean, talk what? about abortion. Yeah, it's a little heavy yeah, for children. Can we? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could probably do it with puppets, maybe. But. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a really dark. Terrible. You touched on colorful. I love the movie Rockstar. I know it flopped. I was telling Rob before. I freaking love that movie. I think the best, one of the best lines you ever wrote is in Colorful. The state for the drama, though, you paid for a comedy. I think that is a great, great line. Uh, I appreciate the, that. The, I think that's what detracted the director to it when I met with him. He, that he mentioned that line. Dude, yeah, he mentioned so that. Good. Line afterwards, yeah. so good. So it's and, nice. Thank you. And I've saw I saw recently a live video of y'all playing it in March of 2020 at the Tony Monroe in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You got the heavier yeah. violin taste. It's still so strong and thick. So I'm glad that that's carried over. I appreciate um, that. Even I mean, it's thick. funny because that that movie did very poorly at the box office Horrible. again. But it was right after 9 11. Mm, Nobody yeah. really wanted to see a romantic comedy about a hair band, you know, in the 90s. So, you know, it really failed uh, pretty miserably. But my brother mentioned this to me, my older brother mentioned this to me years, years ago. He said, you know, too bad you guys weren't in, um, you know, Almost Famous, which was <laughs> yeah. a much, no much yeah. better movie. Dude, that's but, true. How often do you see Almost Famous being played on TV? Or right? you don't. Yeah. So, you know, Rockstar played on VH1 all, all the, the time. time. That's right. true. Still played on, you know, still plays on HBO, and and so you know, I mean, that's helping to pay the bills. Yeah, you know, so that's, great. that's awesome. I love yeah. that that analogy. That's good. You you, meant, you mentioned your brother Brad. I don't know if you're talking about Brad when you mentioned your no, brother. No, Brad's my younger brother. Okay, uh, yeah. Anyway, how well, nice what is about it? Brad? How nice is it have him back in the band? Um, with uh, I know that's you had Zach Dubay and and you mentioned Channing and and Randy yeah. on keyboard now. So it's great having your brother yeah. back with you. Yeah. I mean, listen, my brother, you know, is a different kind of bass player. He's very inventive. He'll make more mistakes, but, you know, uh, than our other bass players have over the years. I mean, Brad was gone for 20 years and, you know, we would get other bass players in and they were precise and amazing and great every night would never make a mistake. And Brad comes in and he's making mistakes, but you listen to what he's doing when he's not making mistakes and you go, wow, this is really inventive. And that's, that's what I remembered about Brad from 20 years ago. You know, listen to the baseline on photograph and on villains and all these other, you know, the songs off of that album. 
And he's a fantastic bass player. So uh, there's something to be said for that, being in, for, for being inventive and not just going by the numbers. And know? fitting with the group. Like, I'll tie this into, I mean, we could do the sticks comparison. with. I know Chuck doesn't play bass with him now based on some health issues, but right. the, like Journey, whenever Ross Valerie was with them, and then they went for a more technical bass player with Randy right. Jackson. Yeah. But give me Ross right. Valerie. Like, I want the guy that is, pa- is part right. of the family, and it feels right. That's good, Rob. That's good. good I thing. 100% agree. I literally heard Yo-Yo Ma say something yesterday, you know, the world's most famous cellist. He he said right. in an ad for his master class, actually, I'm pulling this. I'm not pretending like I was doing Yo-Yo Ma re- research. This is a YouTube <laughs> ad. But still, uh, he said, I, I remember being in the middle of a concert thinking, I'm playing this perfectly. I haven't made any mistakes. And he said, I was bored out of my mind. Right. And he said, at right. that point, I decided not to chase technical perfection, but to chase expression. And and you know make it Very about good. connection as opposed to uh, to perfection. So I agree. It's make it feel right. Make it feel like you know that's how you and that's part of how you create craft. Sort of a signature sound for a band is you just experiment. You do something and you find what feels right for the band, not just what's right. You know. You know it's funny too. What, what you just said is a great analogy, and I'll probably end up using that next time somebody asks me about having bread. And I'm gonna feel, I'm gonna steal that from you. Yeah, there's a story about uh, Yo-Yo Ma that this brings to mind. Yeah, the story about Yo-Yo Ma that I read somewhere very, <laughs> yeah. in a very it was in the New Yorker periodical. Yeah. yeah, in the New Yorker. I was talking with two yeah. of the great speakers of our time, Rob Alley <laughs> yeah. and JP Mosier. And man, those guys knew shirts. <laughs> uh, no, but what what I was gonna say about you know, Brad, too, is that, you know, when you invite somebody back into the fold, when you've got a new drummer and uh, a new guitarist, you know, because our other guys left in two, two, 2000s, um, you know, Brad came back in like he had been asleep for 20 years and woke up and was like back in the 90s. Yeah, and he was like, you know, and then the the perfect story of this is like we're we're playing these nicer places, the city wineries of the world, you sure. know, and Brad and we're gonna we're gonna have a little bourbon after the show, and Brad's yelling for the bottle of Jack, <laughs> and I'm like, Brad, you know, there are other bourbons. Back in the day, it was all Jack, Jack, give us Jack, you know, and I'm like, oh my god, Brad, there are so many other bourbons, you know, <laughs> that we can have, and they were just like, oh Jack, we can't get you Jack Daniels, we don't have Jack Daniels here. <laughs> You know, and it was like such the epitome of, of, you know, somebody who had been kind of out of it, but was so excited to come back and relive those days. <laughs> Since then, he's refined his taste a little bit in bourbon, <laughs> uh, but he still is the sardonic, sarcastic son of a He's always been. That's my little brother, and we, yeah, he fits right in. You can say that because you're family, right? You can make fun of his rayon shirt and get away. That's right. That's right. Exactly right. That's Uh, exactly right. I'm going to come back to threads for a second. In the the, I I believe it's the track to the Witching Hour. Um, there's some Morse code going on in the background or being Morse code being <laughs> sung, not being played, but being sung dot, dot, dash. Uh, what do you want to tell us what that's, is that spelling anything in particular or is it random at the end? That was Channing Lee. Channing, that was the first, that was one of the first songs we had written together. She had had that song already. And she, she said, I have this song called dot, dot, dash. And I said, well, that's, that can't be a song. That's, <laughs> that's a, that is like an awful title, Channing. Let's get one thing straight. All right. So she played it for me. I was like, oh my God, no, this is the witching hour. This is like, this is perfect. She's kind of witchy and and that kind of thing anyway. And I said, <laughs> let's call it that, but we'll put the dot, dot, dash in there because it, you know, that was initially what the song was. And dot, dot, dash is uh, meet me. Uh, no, dot, dot, dash is you and me, I think, 
in uh, Morse code. Oh, okay, there that's we go. great. So that's, that's the whole idea behind it. And then we ended up using that on the backs of our T-shirts and, you know, it's on the album cover itself and the bottom, the dot, dot, dash. It's like a huge part of it all. That's you good. Know? So it's, it's, it's terrific. I love those little uh, uh, Easter eggs, they call them. Educational you know? yeah, on the Great out. Song Podcast. That's, that's yeah. the more you know moment. There you go. Right there. there you go. A C- couple other things that I like about that album that I didn't get to touch on. Forever Reaching, I love, and No One's Gonna Break This Heart Again. Now, cl- that came out actually in September before you released the album in November, correct? Right, right, right. Did you do you like the idea of putting out some singles before releasing and dropping the whole album? Oh yeah. No, we we did that with our last album in 2017, Parachute. We released we released every song first just because just to get ourselves back into people's social media posts mm. and, and to, you know, to raise awareness. And then at the end of the year, we put out the album of all the songs together and then you get the package and the LP and the whole thing. Uh, this time we thought, well, let's try it with two or three songs and see what happens. And we did. And the great thing about this is that's much better than the way the nineties were at least was in the nineties, you would get, you know, a bit budget of 200 to $300,000 and you'd go in for three to six months and you'd write and record an album. And then you'd wait six months for it to be released. And by the time you went on the road, you were so sick of the album. Yeah. You know what I mean? As yeah. a band. So what we got to do is you get to go into the studio one weekend and record the witching hour. And then you're playing it that weekend and then, you know, you're, you know, you've actually got it out there for everybody to hear it a month later. Everything's still fresh and new. It's, it's an exciting time to put out music, I think. That's, so, that's good. Especially that's a good for the band. That's, that's a great way to look so, at it. Yeah, yeah, good perspective. My favorite moment of the album is actually on No One's Gonna Break This Heart Again at moment 355 when you elevate the vocals and it coincides perfectly with the music build. Um, it's it's wonderful. Um, and, wow, you did some research. The, uh, that's nice. Thank oh, you. Dude, no, no problem. Hey, we're not we're not just shirt people. Dude, that's you're right. And, uh, <laughs> then you let the strings hold a bit, and the staccato violin with the keyboard lines underneath. It's perfect. Boom. It's wonderful. There it's we stuff. go. Well, thank you. It's <laughs> tough to um, sometimes it's tough to hit that live, uh, but we do it. We do it. There have been times where we're singing the long note, looking yep. at each other, wondering who's going to fall off first. Right. <laughs> and, That's uh, awesome. Typically, it's me, but I have to remember during the song to take that breath before I hit that high note because it is a it's long, long note. Are you, <laughs> yeah. Do you play with a click live? Oh, my God, no. Okay. No, okay. no that, that would drive me crazy. That- <laughs> <laughs> it's not very 90s. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, no, I guess I guess the drummer would, you know, the drummer would have to be the one with the click, but you know, he I don't I don't even think he I hope he doesn't. <laughs> he's got in ears, so maybe he does. I don't know. He's, he's Zach Newby is a great drummer, so maybe he does. <laughs> speaking of speaking of hitting it live, I was really uh impressed with I watched the uh Lawn Chairs and Living Rooms documentary. Uh, which is oh, really did. interesting and, and kind of a, a cool look into, you know, your life in that, in that moment. And you're playing these backyard shows and, and, you know, um, uh, private, you know, private events kind of things, but man, you were not holding back vocally. And I can really appreciate that. I mean, you were just really going for it. You, nobody was getting uh short changed, you know, at these, at these private performances. Um, tell us a little bit about that period and, and the, you know, I know at the time you were saying you really enjoyed it and you were like, let's do it again. Let's do more. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the, the, uh, lawn chairs and living rooms era. Yeah, well, I mean, we were in a terrible place financially. I mean, you know, we had bought a house in 2008 during the, you know, 
house bubble and everything, and we could hardly afford the mortgage, my wife and I and our daughter. And then I had some lady ask me if I would come and play her birthday party, and I had to let go of my ego 100% and go, you know, yeah, I'll come and play your birthday party. And then, you know, you go and play your birthday party, and it's amazing. There's 50 <laughs> people in her living room, and they're all paying attention, and they all buy merch afterwards. You know, and it's like, I was like, what am I, what am I missed out on? And I sent an email out the next day and I, I booked like 52 shows the next day Jeez. for the rest of that summer. And just essentially with me and my guitar knocking on the door, people I don't know, you know, that not knowing what, what I'm going to, what to expect on the other side. And they were all great. I mean, this was back in 2008. So nobody was really doing house concerts then. Right. Uh, but. I mean, I didn't, I'm not saying I invented the house concert. Oh, no, you're definitely saying that. <laughs> but, That's going to be the headline but, for the YouTube clip. That's yeah. right. That, but I caught, that was one of those moments like the kids records where people, you know, where I had a manager that was like, oh no, don't, what are you doing? You know, and I had other peers that were going, what do you mean? You, you go into people's homes, you don't know them, you know, how can you, and you go alone? What if, you know, somebody's in a, it's one woman in a wedding dress or something, you know? <laughs> You know what I mean? So, but it, but that's part of the excitement is that what is it going to be like? And so I did that. And then I got it down to where, you know, like, for instance, I realized because I don't have a PA system and I just have me and my guitar, I can play three or four of these a day. Yeah. Yeah. And so on the weekends, I would play five or six, like somebody from St. Louis would say, hey, you know, Brian, you come down. And I'd say, well, be, this is how much it's going to be to get me to come down. But let me see if anybody else wants to jump on that weekend and your price will come down. And so that's what we would do. We would have everybody's price come down. If more people would jump on, they'd get a less expensive show. Sure. And overhead is and nothing because so, it's just you. Overhead is nothing. That's it's wonderful. me, you know, I drive down there in a rental car or something and then, you know, play for the weekend and come back home. It was a great thing. And now it exhausted me. I mean, after playing four or five shows a weekend in the summers, every, I mean, I did over 800 in, 10 years or something like that. Something crazy. And I just said, okay, Verb Pipe was taken off again, you know, and uh, I said, I just can't, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore for the capacity that I did. So I retired that, I think, 20, 2018 or 2017, right before the pandemic, which was good timing. The one time in my life, I had good timing. (laughs) You're a step ahead of everybody. You were smart, ahead on the kids' album, ahead on the house concert, ahead on Wednesday. I've made a lot of mistakes, believe me. (laughs) <laughs> well, a lot so of mistakes has has coming out of that you know you're you're uh, it hasn't been a fairy tale uh for you or for the verve pipe um and so yeah. you know and obviously you know we don't try to draw blood and tears on the show we like to keep it positive so let's spin it like this what's something positive that your experience and even your struggles has taught you that you can now either use to your advantage or pass on to other artists and performers uh i don't think i've reached the point yet where i can uh you know, I could, uh, well, there's no way I could go back to the time when I shunned, constantly shunned the record label and the people that wanted to help me because I had my own ideas of how to do things. Had I, If I could go back, I would say I would work more with them as marketing team and publicity team because it's a hard job to do all of that and write music, which is what I do now. But the good thing about that is that I know how to do that now. Right. 
is that I'm more skilled at those kinds of things of how to push the music without, you know, doing the soft sell on the music instead of like, you know, going around hawking my wares everywhere. Sure. Um, but the, the, another thing that I stay really positive about is that we have a song that really, uh, that was really gifted to me to be the writer of it. Those songs are just out there and I just happened upon this song at the right time and writing the freshmen and having people to this day, young people, new people, new freshmen come to me and say, oh my God, that's our class's anthem this year, you wow. know, to go, wow, that's, I mean, that I, I couldn't have planned that or expected that. Yeah. And, uh, and I hang my hat on that all the time. And I know the importance of what the song is to people. Well, you know, we always play it live. We're not one of the bands like, oh, we're past that. Right. You know, we play it live. We know it's a great moment. Uh, that it affects people in the audience when you play it live. And to this day, it's, you know, it's one of those songs that really kind of defines what the nineties is. If you play, if you put, there are a handful of songs out there. I think if you put it on, you go, Oh my God, it immediately transports you back to the nineties. Yeah. And I think the sound of it, which I can't take any credit for, I think what Jack Joseph Puig did with it and the way the band played together and everything and the way the vocal came together, everything ended up being perfectly nineties. And that is, uh, that's a really good feeling that that's the legacy. Well, we know? love that feeling. Me and yeah. Rob both grew up and then we were both in high school in the nineties. Yeah. So you, you, you sang some anthems for us and this has been Definitely. great. Ryan, you've been a lot of fun. One last question. If you got time for sure. one more that we asked yeah, everybody. So you're of on course. tour either by yourself or with the verb pipe, you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking oh of it, I'll tell you mine. I would get a three musketeers bar. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and it's the most ounces. So I get a Three Musketeers bar every time. They're all the same price. What is your gas station snack food of choice? Uh, hot dog. Always the hot dog. Oh, yes. Always. Speedway, to, Speedway used to do a two for 99 hot dog deal, and I would get that and a bag of Doritos and a Diet Coke, and I was Boom. a pig in, I was a pig in sh- it was amazing. <laughs> Love it. Those, those days I'm afraid are over now, but <laughs> that's nineties America right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it was the best. The Verve <laughs> is not getting a hot dog that's and right. Doritos, no. but the Verve <laughs> pot right. can, no. can kill that. That's awesome. It's <laughs> uh, great. Man, thank great. you so much for spending a few minutes with us today, Brian. We really appreciate it. For sure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Awesome. You're the man. Thanks, thank Brian. you so much, Brian. Great. Take care. Cheers. This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was Brian Vander Ark, lead singer, songwriter for The Verve Pipe. Uh, cool guy. Such a cool thing to have him on and to be able to talk to, you know, all these folks who make these great Britain. shirts. Great, yes, great shirts. <laughs> it's good times. Uh, I think what I'm going to start doing, actually, I'm going to steal his, I'm going to steal this song and use it for, like, if there was something in your life that you were like, dude, we were only freshmen. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you, you can't, can't blame me for me. that. Or you, you have to at least forgive me. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We were only freshmen. I think I'm going to do it about our first episode of the show. Oh yeah. I'm going to just, just give us put a, a disclaimer. Give us a pass. At the us a pass. We were first time out the gate. Yeah. We've learned so much. I didn't even know what a podcast really show. was. So yeah. like, <laughs> Uh, JP's like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, just trust me. It's going to go it, into the air and people are going to be able to listen to it. Okay? I was like, this is going to be like, what, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you imagine if our episodes had been 15 minutes long, we could have recorded an entire season in a day. Yeah, way, One a day doubt, right? with no interviews. Um, that Crazy. would have been incredible and disappointing. The we'll things like, we would have missed. Welcome to our 175th season of the Great Song <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Great Song Podcast. But do not fret. Unless you're a guitar player, then fret away. But otherwise, don't fear, because we'll be back next week with another great episode. Movie month kicking off. Oh, Oh, yeah. One of y'all's favorites, one of our favorites. Let us go to the cinema. (laughs) We'll see you next week on the Great Song Podcast. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.